Did you know that Women's History Month was instituted by President Jimmy Carter 40 years ago in 1980? It was to encourage our country to reflect on the often overlooked contributions of women in America. The engine that drives the success of Women Veterans Rock is rooted in our public-private partnerships. On today's episode of Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, we invite you to join us on our journey to Capitol Hill as we celebrate Women's History Month, which includes Women Veterans Making History, Public-Private Partnerships, and our official declaration of Mission Accomplished. Now here's your host, Deborah Harmon Pugh. Welcome to Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast, and I'm your host, Deborah Harmon Pugh. On March 12th, Women Veterans Rock hosted the Women Veterans 2020 delegation for Public Policy Day on Capitol Hill. Our year-long mission is dedicated to a season of civic engagement. And this year's theme for Public Policy Day on the Hill is Stand Up and Be Counted. So pull up a chair and join our circle for today's candid conversation with Miss Lucia Bruce. Miss Lucia Bruce is the retired regional administrator of Region 3 at the Women's Bureau of the U.S. Department of Labor. She's been a leader, an advocate, and she's been a spokesperson on public policy issues dedicated to improving the lives of women in America for more than two decades. I'm excited to welcome Lucia Bruce as our special guest. She is my colleague, my friend, and she's been our chief collaborator in the groundbreaking achievements of Women Veterans Rock over the past decade. Stay tuned for our conversation that tells a candid story of women in a public-private partnership who've been working together in service to others and learn exactly how their unique alliance grew them both into public policy advocates and industry influencers of public policy on Capitol Hill. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You'll be notified of upcoming episodes so you can join us in the public square for more stimulating conversations. Would you like to be recognized as a podcast conversation starter? Send your suggestions and ideas for upcoming shows to us at info at womanvetsrock.org because we're always elated to hear from our audience in the podcast community. In each episode of Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, we examine public policy that is dedicated to improving the lives of military women and military families. This episode is dedicated to the work and achievements of the House Committee on Veteran Affairs, which is led by Chairman Mark Takano of California's 41st Congressional District and the Women Veterans Task Force, which is chaired by Congresswoman Julia Brownlee of California's 26th Congressional District. The bipartisan Women Veterans Task Force works to advance equality in the access to resources, benefits, and health care for women veterans. This includes equal access to comprehensive health care, benefits, education, economic opportunities, along with access to federal resources in the Department of Veteran Affairs in particular. 
On March 12, 2020, the House Committee on Veteran Affairs held a full committee markup passing all 17 bills on its agenda. The bills were designed to strengthen family leave. They also passed bills designed to assist homeless veterans and their dependent children through reintegration programs. There were bills to expand access to contraception streamline the GI Bill process, and other bills dedicated to improving the lives of millions of veterans. The Women Veterans 2020 delegation continues to be supporters and constituents in support of the work and achievements of the House Committee on Veteran Affairs, as well as the Women Veterans Task Force. Let's listen to an excerpt from Chairman Mark Takano as he delivers his congressional briefing to the Women Veterans 2020 delegation. Well, thank you for inviting me today uh, for your public policy day. It's clear that our women veterans rock. Now, in a very concrete way, your conference last year helped shape the Women's Veterans Task Force. And uh, much of your input became, you know, the, the backbone of what we worked on, the Deborah Sanson Act. Together, the result of that is that we've introduced over 25 bills addressing equity and access to childcare, healthcare, reproductive freedom, economic opportunity, and sexual harassment and assault. Don't leave, Ms. Wild. Don't, don't leave quite yet. Because uh, relative to that last question, I want you to know that uh, Ms. Wild is actually responsible for a bill in our Deborah Sampson Act, which passed before, which relates to uh, women veterans who are homeless and access to legal services. That was a contribution from Ms. Wild. So, Ms. Wild, thank you for, for doing that and uh, helping the homeless. Thank you. And with that declaration from Chairman Takano about the impact of the work of Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, we say mission accomplished. And that's today's Public Policy Watch. Join us at Women Veterans Rock on the Hill for future episodes where we are delivering conversations from around the globe. That includes North America, West Africa, and the Middle East. You can listen and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast today. Don't forget to stay in touch and follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Vets Rock and Facebook at Women Veterans Rock. Welcome to this conversation of Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast. And Lucia, thank you so much for calling in today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Deborah. So, Lucia, when we talk about our work together on the Homeless Women Veterans Initiative, we know that they came out of the early years of President Obama's initiative at looking at the issues that women were facing. And what year was that? 2009 is when it began, and what President Obama did was he charged the Secretary of Labor and the Secretary of the Veterans Administration to find out about homeless women veterans. Mm -hmm. They knew about homeless men veterans. Mm -hmm. And it was um, an eye-opener to find out there was 175,000 homeless veterans 
out on the street, 2009. Mm-hmm. And 4% of that were women veterans. Mm-hmm. They did not know anything about other than women veterans being in the military, but homeless women veterans, they did not know. So mm-hmm. Secretary, Secretary Chow and Secretary Shinseki uh, charged the Women's Bureau with finding out that information. Mm-hmm. And because you and I had worked together on other projects, and I believe our first project was Welfare to Work, which was mm-hmm. in 1999. The, which would have been in President Bill Clinton's administration. Yes. And mm-hmm. so we've been through all these many administrations, but the Homeless Women Veterans was something that was more impactful than anything else that we did. I would say it was the most impactful. And I think it was the most impactful for us individually and collectively because it was an exciting and important initiative that we worked together under the leadership of America's first African-American president. And the impact was disproportionately affecting women of color and it was working with a population that was viewed as highly elusive. Unlike men who had served in the military, women at that time were not wearing their service on their arm as a badge of honor. They would separate from military service and seem to just melt back into the shadows around their service for various kinds of reasons. Well, you, you also have to remember that um, as a regional administrator, and at that time, that, that's what I was, mm-hmm. um, the Women's Bureau was still one of the oldest and smallest Department of Labor. Mm-hmm. And our mandate at that time was to promote the welfare of wage-earning women. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. Most of our issues dealt with wage-earning women. Mm-hmm. But at this time, we were dealing with women who were homeless, and that did not mean that they were wage-earning women, but had been wage-earning women. They were now out on the street, and nobody was really looking for them or wanting to help them. Mm-hmm. It was an honor for me especially, because my my father and my son were in the service, mm-hmm. that I would be able to be in that environment and to find out more information about women who seem to be somewhat lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So your work at the Women's Bureau, um, particularly as we look at how over the years as a leader in the Labor Department Women's Bureau, this this concept of celebrating the contributions of women during Women's History Month um, has traveled over the years. And with you starting out with this particular initiative of looking at women who were either at risk of homelessness or homeless, how did that parlay into the work that we started doing in terms of military women making history? One of the things is is that um, I, I have to look at my history. I'm, I was working for an agency that now is over 100 years old. We mainly stuck with wage-earning women. Yes, we did deal with uh, women veterans, but they were at the wage-earning capacity. So we're looking at equality of work. 
um, the type of work that he felt that women were in par with men. But then you get into an issue of homelessness, that's a whole different type of genre. Mm -hmm. And you and I to go from one piece to the other, it seemed to work well. We did not have a problem going from welfare away earning women to homeless women because we knew we were working with women and women who, um, at the very least, would stand up for their own rights once they were educated in what they were. I think that's an important point that you make because at the core of our individual and collective work is working with women in terms of being solid and sustainable wage owners, whether it was wage earners inside of corporations or wage earners as business owners. And having that grow into or be connected to the issue of equality, you can't grow into having women make livable wages and separate equality from that. Because we can start going back to ERA and, um, and equal pay and all those other kinds of things. But in terms of the work that you did as wage earners, having women look through the lens of women's equality in America, they are both tightly connected. They are definitely connected. And I remember the times that you were I believe you were president of NABO, mm -hmm. National Association of Women Business Owners. For the Greater Philadelphia Chapter. Yeah, the Greater Philadelphia Chapter. Mm -hmm. Well, that alone, being a business owner, you had to be on par when it came to the equality of wages in business with male. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, everything lined up for us to really delve into the homeless um, homelessness of women veterans because we had the background of what corporate, what um, small businesses mm -hmm. and regular employment issues were. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so we could connect that with homelessness in women veterans. So let's talk about how we connect the dots when we look back at the in the rearview mirror of this. How do you feel that this issue around equality within the broader workspace for women transfers into equality for women in the military and women veterans separating from the military? I would have to say that's questionable. Um, as we can see from the delegates from Women Veterans Rock, Personally, some of them are still going through finding that equality for themselves. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an ongoing issue. Mm -hmm. And we cannot negate the fact that women veterans are in a system that is different to those, women, those working women in classified as quote-unquote normal um, areas. They are doing the same thing they're working. Mm -hmm. So why mm -hmm. shouldn't they be looking at equality in military service? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It I agree. still is a fight for those in the normal arena of employment and military. Women, mm -hmm. women were, were always in the military, 
but they weren't up front. And now you have more brigadier generals, you have colonels, lieutenants, and you have women who are coming at a greater pace into the military service. But are they still on equal ground? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would have to question that from what I hear from our delegates that they may not be on equal ground, but that doesn't mean that they are not trying to find their way to that equality. So I just want to shift gears ever so slightly. As this year, we went together at Women Veterans Rock Public Policy Day on Capitol Hill. I really loved what you did this time when it came to um, visiting our delegates or mm -hmm. our senators, per se. Mm -hmm. So for Women Veterans Rock Public Policy Day on the Hill, our mission this year came right off of the pages of our mission for the organization, which is a 2020 season of civic engagement. And our subtext, if you will, is to stand up and be counted. And we knew that going to the Hill this year gave us an opportunity of a laser-like focus on um, achieving our goal of standing up and being counted, as well as uh, our engagement in uh, civic activities. How did you feel about this year's uh, theme for our mission to the Hill? Again, the Veterans Rock is promoting the welfare of wage-earning women. We have to be at the table, take that seat at the table, and to be fully involved in um, issues uh, dealing with our legislator is a way to do it. And for four or five years that I've attended, that is what was done. Women Veterans Rock stood up. So, Public Policy Day on the Hill was a tremendous success this year largely because of the participation of seasoned senior delegates such as yourself. And what we did is we structured the day in a way that we could have our delegates attend our briefing sessions as well as visit legislators' office. So were you one of the delegates that visited the office or participated in the briefing sessions? I was lucky enough to sit through the briefings. Mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was really a tremendous um, knowledge-based program. So when we look at the success of our 2020 Public Policy Day on the Hill, it largely comes from the fact that we had our delegates involved in various components of civic engagement. We had a presenter join us from the Points of Lights Foundation. She's the chief development officer. Did you have an opportunity to hear information about the work that they're doing, what they call a civic season? I, I believe I did, Rose McManus Coleman. That's, That's right. And uh, as, as she was talking about volunteering, mm -hmm. it, it made me think about what I need to do in my life because mm -hmm. sometimes we, we sit back and we say, oh, that's a great program in which that was the point of light program, because now they are working with uh, women veterans and um, dealing with the community by providing for, I think, those nonprofit organizations that support um, women veterans. 
So having Rose McManus from the Points of Life Foundation come in to speak to our delegation gave us an opportunity to expose participants, participating women veterans, in ways in which they can continue to become civically engaged through volunteerism. Another highlight of our Public Policy Day was in terms of civic engagement briefings is we also had a guest speaker by the name of uh, Ms. Candace Waterman. She is the CEO of the organization Women in Public Policy. And I thought that that was another opportunity for us to focus on ways in which we could continue to get civically engaged. Now, I'm not sure that you... um, Many people knew this before our visit, but Women in Public Policy is actually a branch of or grew from the National Association of Women Business Owners. Did you know that? I did not know that. That that is truly interesting, but from hearing her speak and Mm -hmm. uh, mainly speaking about small business owners, I would say that was a a good um, um, way, segue for National Association of Women Business Owners to do something else in the United States. Sure, that became, that grew into being their public policy arm. And the reason why uh, Candace Waterman's contribution to our policy day was so important, because as you know, uh, there's this growing segment of women veterans who are also new business owners. Most definitely, most definitely. And as we can see in the Women Veterans Rock Delegates, there are quite a few women who are women business owners. So she was an integral part of this session and women impacting public policy. Mm -hmm. She was really a dynamite speaker because she comes to the Hill all the time. Mm -hmm. She was impacting with the senators all the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And our delegates need to hear what is going on when they're not there. We mm-hmm. come there once a year. She's there every week. This year, we had our congressional briefings primarily from participants and members of the House Veteran Affairs Committee. What's your reaction to that? I really thought that was a fantastic idea. Uh, I believe the last time we were there, they were talking about the Deborah Sampson Act, and it is... Um, an act that deals with issues for women veterans. And then we were able to hear from, I believe it was Susan Weil, 7th District of Pennsylvania, and Mm -hmm. just to hear her perspective on what is being done about the Deborah Sampson Act. But Mm -hmm. to have our delegates go to each one of those, those senators who are on um, that caucus, I think it benefited us in the long run. And we heard from each one of the delegate groups mm-hmm. at the end of our day on what was talked about and how effective they were in approaching the caucus. And thank you for mentioning the fact that uh, Susan Weil was there as one of the uh, contributors that 
provided information to, as a part of the congressional briefings. And Susan Weil is from the state of Pennsylvania. She's a representative from Pennsylvania's 7th Congressional District. She's also a member of the Women Veterans Task Force. And so it was exciting to have her there because she's been um, one of the members that has created a lot of of legislation and that they have offered and actually brought to the floor for votes in the House of Representatives. We also had another highlight of the day in which we had another visit from Chairman Mark Takano. And we know that Chairman Mark Takano is from um, California and his congressional district has been actively involved in the work that's been done with the um, veterans initiatives. And so I'm not sure if you remembered it, but um, Chairman Mark Takano came and actually was not only a highlight, but he actually made history in terms of the work that we've been doing on the Hill. Just the thought of a person recognizing the organization, the work that they're doing, and then having our delegates go to those participants who are a, a, a part of the Veterans Affairs. It was it was really a meaningful day because, you know, we come there every day, I mean, come here every year thinking that we're, we're making an impact, we're not making an impact, but to actually have someone who is on the Hill, who is a senator, and saying, you have made an impact on other senators who are involved in this process. Of helping veterans. It was, I agree with you, it was really an honor to have the chairman of the House of Representatives Veteran Affairs Committee actually come to our, our caucus session because it said to the delegation that the work that we've been doing is important, it is having impact and influence. One thing you can tell by the Women Veterans Rock delegates is that they are dedicated to their cause, not individually, but their cause, meaning all women veterans. Mm -hmm. They had a tremendous information round where we were discussing issues, and those who knew provided the information. Those who didn't know asked the question. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I feel as though this has been a will be a fantastic year because so many things are happening when it comes to women. We just really need to realize that we are at the table and to continue to stay at the table. I just can't thank you enough for um, the work that and the opportunities that we've had to work together and uh, the impact, the influence, and uh, the effect that we've made in this particular space. And so thank you for uh, serving with me and allowing me to serve with you and our support of women, girls, and families in America. So thank you. I'll have to agree with you, and I thank you for allowing me to be on this podcast with you, and I'm honored. We are in this together, and so as sisters in service, military women in service, we have had an amazing journey, and I thank you for the influence and the impact that we have grown together.
You're welcome. This episode of Women Veterans Rock on the Hill is sponsored by the Women Veterans Rock Civic Leadership Institute, where our priority is preparing today's military women for post-military civic leadership, business leadership, and nonprofit leadership in America. And there's one last thing before we go. The word tells us that people are in our lives for a reason, for a season, or for a lifetime. I am fortunate and truly honored to serve with the tremendous talent in the Women Veterans 2020 delegation. We celebrate you as today's new ranks of military women who are making history in America. We have collectively achieved our 10-year mission of being influencers on Capitol Hill. And I thank you for your service in affecting positive change to public policy in America. This is an important season of civic engagement. We encourage you and everyone in the Women Veterans Rock podcast community to be safe, remember to shelter in place, and know that there is intrinsic value in social distancing in these challenging times that we are all compelled to share with one another. Remember to practice responsible social and civic engagement because hashtag we're all in this together.